We are so glad you've joined us today for our Thursday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today we are continuing our study in the book of 2 Samuel. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Soon your trials will be over. I would say go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, but we're going to be all over the place today. Uh, and we started a thing last week. This is what happens a lot of times when I'm doing a study. All of a sudden I go, oh, here we have the Davidic covenant. Well, wouldn't it be great if we knew what all the covenants meant? And so I started last week by, by starting this thing on the covenants. There's eight covenants in God's word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, because we have a guy back there who's just wanting to give you a Bible. So he's just pacing back there, you know, making it known that I haven't asked you yet. So, yeah, so... Raise your hand if anybody else needs one. Okay. And so we went over um, six out of the eight covenants last Wednesday. So I'm just going to briefly go through those here tonight so we can get to the, uh, the Davidic covenant, uh, that we can get to the new covenant. And you go, oh, I know all about the new covenant. That's Jesus Christ. You don't know it from a Hebrew uh, Jewish point of view, that I hope to make the connection with you here tonight, that you could see it through their eyes and how that new covenant was promised to them, specifically to them, and yet how does that, you know, uh, mesh with it also being brought uh, to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world. So uh, hopefully we could take a look at that here tonight. So there are eight covenants that we see in God's word the, very, the, the word covenant here um, means the cutting of flesh. And so what that means is that uh, this covenant is brought about and can only be broken through death, the shedding of blood, the cutting of flesh, or the agreement is made through the cutting of flesh or blood. And so we see this time and time again with the different covenants that God brings to mankind. Every time a covenant is brought to man... It is God who's the initiator. Uh, this, doesn't have to be re- this doesn't have to be agreed by a man. Uh, some of them do, some of them don't. Uh, most of them don't. Uh, man needs to receive it, but God is the initiator. God's going to make sure these things happen. So, it's God who comes to man. He declares his will and, and, and what he requires from man. He requires his willingness to accept what God brings to the table. And so we found that there are two types of covenants in the Bible. There are some that are conditional. There are some that are unconditional. Uh, A conditional covenant is bilateral, meaning if you do this, this, and this, then I will do this, this, and this. So it's a kind of a mutual agreement. Two out of the eight covenants of the Bible are conditional. The Edenic covenant and the Mosaic covenant. Those are the two that were conditional. If you do this, I'll do this. If you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. And so we see that with the very first covenant in the Bible in Eden as well as the Mosaic Covenant. The unconditional covenants is a, is a unilateral covenant, meaning God says, I'm just going to do this for you. I'm going to do this. And so six of the eight are unconditional. We see that with the first unconditional one isn't the best one. It's more of a cursing uh, of what, because uh, Adam and Eve, you know, broke the first one. 
by partaking and eating of the forbidden fruit of the tree of good and evil. And so because of that, God pronounced this curse that's a unilateral curse. It doesn't matter what mankind does. He's, uh, you know, the woman is going to suffer in, in childbirth. The man is going to um, you know, have to work hard and by the sweat of his brow. And, and so thorns and thistles are going to come from the earth and, and things like that. And so six of the eight covenants are, are unconditional. The Adamic covenant, the, um, uh, the Noatic uh, covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Palestinian or, or land covenant, better yet, the Davidic covenant, and the, and the new covenant. These are all unconditional. These are things that God is going to do regardless of how we respond to him. God is going to make sure that it happens. And so of these eight covenants, two being you know, conditional, six being unconditional, six or uh, five of these eight um, are made with specifically Israel, okay? Um, while the other three are made to mankind in general. Only one of the five covenants made with Israel is conditional. That was the Mosaic covenant. The other four covenants are unconditional. The Abrahamic covenant, the land covenant, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant. So just to briefly go through some of these that we went over last week, just to kind of catch you up, you have the Edenic covenant in Genesis 1, 27 through 28, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Um, this was conditional. Do not eat of this tree of good and evil. They broke that covenant. The covenant is not in effect today, okay? Uh, the Adamic covenant, Genesis 3, 14 through 19. This is the covenant that uh, God brings cursing upon Satan himself. The woman is cursed through pain and childbirth. Um, man is cursed with hard labor. Earth is cursed with thorns and thistles. It's just one of those cursing. It's still in effect today. Uh, women, you're more than aware of that, pain and childbirth. Uh, we are more than aware of that. If you garden at all, you know about this. All right. How often do you have to weed and things like that? We have to work very hard in order for the earth to produce for us. And so this is still in effect, and it's for all mankind. Doesn't matter where you go, this is upon all mankind. You have the Noadic covenant, Genesis 9, 1 through 7. Uh, the first things given to him, you now need to repopulate the earth. Uh, capital punishment is now brought down uh, upon all of mankind. He whoever sheds man's blood, his blood shall also be shed. Has nothing to do with the Mosaic law has nothing to do with that whatsoever. That has to do for all of mankind. God promises in that covenant not to judge the world with a flood. He gives the rainbow as a sign for his faithfulness. Uh, this covenant was made between God and Noah, and Noah, like Adam, is representative of the entire human race. Noah was not a Jew, okay? That doesn't come until later on with Abraham. So this covenant is still in effect it's unconditional for all of mankind. We have the Abrahamic covenant. You can read about that in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, uh, verse 7, uh, chapter 13, 14 through 17. Uh, we see it in, in uh, chapter 15. We see it again in chapter 17. Uh, just on and on and on about how God is going to do this for Abraham. Uh, just bringing it back to its very basics, it can be seen that uh, that he's going to bless him with the land. He's going to bless him with uh, many descendants. Uh, and he's also going to uh, bless him with um, uh, many nations. And he's going to bless the whole earth with him, with this covenant. And we see this eventually 
um, borne out in the new covenant that we'll get to here in a moment. This is an unconditional covenant. Um, This is not for all mankind, okay? This is strictly for Abraham and his descendants, okay? It's Abraham and his descendants. What comes from Abraham is Isaac. What comes from Isaac is Jacob. What comes from Jacob is the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? So, we went over that last week. We also see the Mosaic Covenant. That's everywhere from Exodus 19 all the way through Deuteronomy. You know, you have an extra 10 minutes, read that. Uh, And that's the whole covenant that God is having specifically with the nation as he calls Moses to be the redeemer and then calls Moses up on the mountain and says, this is the covenant that I'm going to have with you and the people. Uh, And in chapter 19, Moses goes down and he talks to the people. Are you willing to have this covenant with God? And they said, yes, we will obey everything that he has to say. And then basically from then on, you're given this long list of things that he expects of you. And, uh, and so this covenant is not made with the Gentiles. It's not made with the rest of the world. It's not made with the church. Instead, God gives specifically this nation, Israel, that came out of Egypt. He is gonna let, he's going to give them certain rules to set them apart from the other nations in the world, rules of dietary laws, rules on how to worship God. One of those is to rest on the Sabbath. But this is not made with the rest of the people in the world. It's with Israel only. And so this is a covenant that is conditional. It's basically, if you do this, this, and this, I will do this, this, and this for you. And so this is the Mosaic covenant. Um, And so uh, the law here was never meant to be a permanent administration of things. We're we're told in Galatians 3.19, what purpose then does the law serve? What was the whole point of the Mosaic covenant? It was added because of transgression. It's because man is so sinful, he needed to see how proper behavior was. He needed to be able to see uh, the proper way to worship God and be able to see how often he fell short of that. And so it was added because of transgression. And what that means, it was added, it means it was added to the Abrahamic covenant because of transgression till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. And so in context, Paul states that the law of Moses was in addition to the Abrahamic covenant. It was added for the purpose of making sin very, very clear. So we all know that we've fallen short of the glory of God's standard of righteousness. It was temporary addition until the seed would come, who is the Messiah, as we will see here in a moment. But now that he has come, the law is finished. And so the addition has ceased to function with the cross. That addition has ceased, but the part of the Abrahamic covenant is still in place. So in Romans 10, 4, it says, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so this covenant was conditional only with Israel. The Jews has now been rendered of no effect. Then we have the land covenant. This is a different covenant that just kind of comes out. It it is another addendum to uh, what God has spoken to Abraham already uh, about how he's going to bless him from from all the way from uh, Egypt of the Nile to the Euphrates River, all in between there. Um, In Deuteronomy 29.1, it says, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab besides the covenant which he made with them in Horeb which was the Mosaic Covenant. 
So this is, this is different. Um, the land covenant is more of an enlargement of the original Abrahamic covenant. You can read about that in Deuteronomy 30, verses 1 through 10. Um, it describes some of the provisions of the land covenant. Sometimes it's called the Palestinian covenant. I prefer land covenant. Um, being an unconditional covenant that is not made to all mankind, it is only for the Jews. And it's very much in effect today. Very much in effect today. So, um, so this brings us, go to 2 Samuel chapter 7. This brings us to the seventh covenant, the Davidic covenant. Also still in place today. So I want you to go to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, and go to 1 Chronicles 17, verse 10, because the, the, this is both the uh, Davidic covenant, but it, chapter 17 of 1 Chronicles gives us a little information that 2 Samuel doesn't. 2 Samuel gives us information that 1 Chronicles doesn't, so to, to see them all together. So this brings us to the seventh covenant that we have in place. And, and as I ran through this, I just want to give you uh, just a heads up. I'm going to tie them all together so you can see how they all kind of are tied together and what the Lord was doing here. So in the Davidic covenant, God speaking here to David tells him in verse 12 of 2 Samuel chapter 7, when your days are fulfilled, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, so your descendants, who will come from your own body. I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. If you recall how we got to this place is that David's dwelling in a house of cedar, and he says, you know what? I got it too good. I got I to do something for the Lord. I want to build something for the Lord, and God told him no, all right? But he's beginning to tell him right here. He says, look, Someone who comes from your body is going to build a house. He says, he shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul. Interesting. Whom I remove from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. Before you, your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. So keeping your finger there, let's go to 1 Chronicles 17. Starting in verse 10. It says, Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people, Israel... Also, I will subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. And it shall be when your days are fulfilled and when you must go to be with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. And I will be his father, and he shall be my son I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you and I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever and the throne shall be established forever. Now I want you to see the difference between what's going on here in 1 Chronicles 17 and what's happening in 2 Samuel chapter 7. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, you'll notice that he, he adds there, he says, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, 
I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. You'll notice that it doesn't say that here. It doesn't say the part about how I will chasten him because in 2 Samuel, that's speaking of Solomon. Solomon is going to commit iniquity and, and God is going to chastise him. He is going to do those things. But here in Chronicles, it says, he, instead, he says in verse 11, it shall be that when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you who will be of your sons and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house. I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it away from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever and throne shall be established forever. So one is speaking more of Solomon in 2 Samuel 7 but in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 1 Chronicles 17, it is speaking more about the seed that's going to come after you. And most scholars believe that this is speaking more of, uh, uh, of the Messiahship that is to come. That no, he's not going to take his mercy away from him because he is going to be the king of mercy. Uh, that uh, it doesn't talk about any sort of sin that's going to happen because this seed is not going to sin because it's going to be the Messiah himself. There's uh, like... There's a few things that I want to kind of bring attention to here. This covenant that's being made between God and David, uh, who stands here, is we need to understand is that God is promising him something and there's nothing required of David whatsoever. He's just saying, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. You'll notice that one of the first things that God promises David is an eternal dynasty. You see this here in uh, 1 Chronicles 17, 10. Uh, it says that, uh, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. Um, it tells in verse 12, and I will establish his throne forever. Uh, in verse uh, 14, it says, and my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever. So again, it's speaking of that eternal dynasty. We're told here in 2 Samuel seven twelve uh, that it's going to be one of David's own sons. We see this also in 1 Chronicles seventeen twelve. Uh, I will set up your seed after you, who will be one of your sons. I will establish his kingdom. So the seed is actually going to come from one of his sons, we're told here. Another thing we see here is that Solomon is going to build the temple, 2 Samuel seven thirteen. We see that he shall build a house for my name. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. That was Solomon. He's the one that built that house, that temple for the Lord. Another thing that we see here is that, um, that Solomon is going to be disciplined for his disobedience. He is going to be disciplined for that. Uh, if he commits iniquity, and he does, he goes after other gods. He says, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men, but my mercy will not depart from him. That word mercy there speaks of covenant loyalty because solomon does fall into idolatry here it's the worst sin possible that's worse than anything that saul ever did but this is an unconditional covenant that he has and says it doesn't matter what he does i will fulfill this promise i'm going to fulfill this promise and so it shows the nature of this unconditional covenant solomon was under such a covenant but saul was not 
And then we see something else. This Messiah is going to come from the seed of David. Uh, There also in verse 11, I will set up your seed after you. And this is one that is going to continue forever and ever and ever. We see that one of the seventh things that we see here, or the sixth thing that we see here, is that the Messiah, his throne, his house, his kingdom is going to be established forever. Um, In this passage, it is the person himself that is established upon David's throne forever, ever, 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 ever. Okay, it's going to happen. When we look at the Davidic covenant here, God promises David four eternal things, an eternal house or dynasty, an eternal throne, an eternal kingdom, an eternal descendancy. This is the the eternal house of David. And so when we look at this, we know that this hasn't been completed yet. And this is going to be complete in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the messianic seed that is to come. Now, he has already come, and we'll be able to attach that here in a moment. But I want us to see something here. That first time that seed is mentioned, you might recall, was in the Garden of Eden under that first, uh, uh, that second uh, covenant, more of a cursing than anything else, where we read here, if you go over here to chapter 3 of Genesis, this is our first that we see of this seed. In chapter 3, verse 15, God tells the woman this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. We know that women don't have seed. Men have seed. So in order for this woman to have seed, all the way back here in Genesis chapter, it's speaking of the virgin birth. Okay? So we see right here that there is a seed. There is a person who is to come that we know because of the virgin birth and what this is leading to, that there is a Messiah who is to come. But from this verse right here, it can come from any woman, okay, that is going to have a virgin birth. So right now, this seed could be anybody from all humanity at this point, all right? But as we continue to go down, it it, it gets more narrow, all right? So we see here with the Adamic covenant, the Messiah could be the seed of the woman, but this is meant that he could be any part of humanity. And then we go from there and we see in the Abrahamic covenant that the Messiah had to come from the seed of Abraham. So the Jews. So we now know through Abraham that that seed goes from anyone from humanity. Now it's, it, 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 it kind of narrows in scope. And now it has to come from the Jews. It has to come from Abraham, the seed of Abraham. And then we see in Genesis 49, verse 10, that it even narrows even further of the 12 tribes, and now he has to come from the tribe of Judah. A very interesting passage here. And it talks about in Genesis 49, 9 through 10, that Judah is a lion's whelp. From prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who shall rouse him. We know that Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. That he's going to come as a roaring lion, we are told. But then it goes on and says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be obedience of the people. That speaks of a king. That speaks of a king because he has a scepter in his hands. 
and nor shall a lawgiver from between his feet, again speaks from that lawgiver who comes from between a male's feet, speaks of that seed to come. And Shiloh, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be obedience of all the people. That concludes this Thursday edition of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Listen in tomorrow as we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit with us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at 5 p.m. on Saturday evenings. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our Young Adults Ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Castle Rock. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station. For more information about us or this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. We are so blessed you've joined us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Oh,